Frank. Frank, come on, man. I'll be frank, it's all about capturing real, authentic, unedited conversation. Clip it on. Clip it on, yeah. You probably know better than I do. Really about it, I kind of just roll with it. Oh, well. Generally, have people that do this for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Hollywood. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a good, one of the good things of being on set. You don't need to worry about all this. Though I have been on the other side, and it's no fun. No, I enjoy it. What do you mean? You, uh, it's, you have obviously been on set. You, well, I've been on set as an actor, yes. as you know. Um, yeah. We started. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. This is just a preliminary This question. is just a preliminary. I have this feel. I have this idea that there is no such thing as on in this, even though there is a, an on but the idea is to try and avoid that feeling of on. I almost try to avoid the, the on scenario, so I don't make a thing of, oh, we're on now. And yeah. <gasps> okay. Cameras, say something. Say something really cool. Whenever you want. Yeah, whenever you're ready now. Yes. You know that type of way. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know if I like those directors or not. I, I tend to be one of those directors. They're what? Going, right, camera rolling, audio rolling, whenever you're ready. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really, yeah, that probably doesn't even show up on the audio thing in that, like, you do need the bit of action, I think, don't you, the bit of clapboard or whatever. The well, yeah, you do a, a clap and then you go, just whenever you're ready. Yeah. Um, and I used to think that was very calming until I was an actor that was faced with that kind of a director and it kind of, you, you like, I like the action. Do you? I like the, okay, now you have to turn it on. The whole sort of whenever you're ready feels like a bit of pressure on me going, no, it's all up to you now. Well, yeah, because then you kind of go, right, well, sure. Thanks for that. I'll uh, yeah. gather myself here. Uh, yeah, can I have a year? I'll never be ready. <laughs> I suppose so you do need that thunderbolt to the system almost. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. It also depends on the relationship you have with the director. And so what have you done now? Obviously, you were in a great movie all those years ago uh, with me. Bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. Show on my show reel. Is it? Yes. It, 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 actually, it actually got me a part, well, not a part, got me an audition for this Saturday because they were looking for an actor that had a strong Spanish accent. Okay. Um, and I, instead of sending them my show reel, which is four minutes of me doing like American and Irish and blah, 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 and then a bit of that at the end, yeah. I just sent them a link to the short film and I went, look, I have a show reel. 
but I don't want you to spoil like to think that I don't do Spanish accents, even though I am Spanish accent. Yeah. So here, just watch this short film, um, and I got I got an audition. So oh, that's pretty cool. There you go. Still, still there, making my life easier. And so, have you have you sent it on a few places in time, or it's, is it part of the your main show reel? Yes, it is. Okay, it is because yeah. um, I've mostly been working theatre. So yeah, um, how is that? I love theatre. Do you? I love theatre. I think that's... Uh, theatre is an actor's medium. Mm. So it's it's great. You get to develop your character. You get to have long, like, 20-minute scenes and relationship with another actor. Um, yeah, but you have to get up in front of a crowd, though. Oh, yeah, but I prefer a crowd to a camera. Do you really? Yeah. I'm the total opposite of that now. The total opposite of that. So that was... We obviously... That's how we met was in the course. Yes. And that's another one of those courses that I didn't complete. I've done a few courses now where I just can't seem to keep... It's just not for me. It's taken me a long time to realise that now. Mm. But the... You didn't have any problem with the live. No. Well, I've never... I mean, I've spent my lifetime... My dad's a diplomat, so I've spent my lifetime not performing, but being used to being in the public eye and having to do things in front of strangers and not act, but be comfortable in front of large groups of strangers and not let it throw me. Mm. So, yes, public speaking has never been a problem. Acting on stage has never been a problem. Um, What I struggled with the most initially, and I think we talked about this as well, is the way that acting makes no logical sense. Mm. That you can't logic, at least I can't logic my way through acting. Though I logic my way through absolutely everything else. I'm a very, I consider myself to be a very logical rational person that things have to make sense and have to be able to yeah. to make sense of things I can't do that with acting but acting. how do you, you obviously when you say it's logical but you still what you mean by that is that, that you somehow turn it on sometimes and sometimes you don't it doesn't work or what do you mean it's illogical what I mean is that you can't reason you can't act through reason acting is a purely for me at least is a purely instinctual sensational like okay so you thing. can't think your way through it. yeah okay so that's probably why it fucking yeah <laughs> I, I really struggled with it yeah and i used mm. to struggle with it as well at the beginning and all these especially when you're in class all these artsy well i'm probably gonna not make a lot of friends with this interview um but all like the way acting is taught and i agree now after years of training that this is probably the way it has to be taught but it's it's taught, of course, based a lot on feelings, and you have to feel this and connect with this emotion, and yeah, and that's not you can't think your way into an emotion. You no. have to be able to shut off that rational side of yourself because it's a it's a defense mechanism. It's a when you're in your everyday life, you think when you want to stop yourself from following your emotions and your gut feeling because in everyday life, that's kind of how you have to be. And I'm not saying that while you're acting, you can't be rational, but it's not your rationality. You have to be able to put away your rationality and let the character's rationality take over. Yeah, and a lot that, of the time... Is that kind of that vulnerability then? Is it in a way? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a side of vulnerability. It's a side of trusting absolutely the work you've done and the homework you've done. Yes, I used to say to her that it's a kind of uh, to the teacher um, who laughed at my audition. Um, 
But she, I said to her, you know, it's like jumping off the cliff. You have to trust it. And she said, well, it's not because you still have to be hanging on a little bit. Yes. So, and I couldn't get my head around that idea that you kind of you jumped uh, either as I'm black and white sort of person. Yes. Yeah. You either jump all the way in or you're. Or you're not, you, you know, you give yeah. the speech, you know. Yeah, I had a huge discussion with um, David Scott, which was my last teacher. Yeah, um, you did I, the three months. I did the three month yeah, intensive, talked about that now. which which absolutely transformed the way I, I not just the way I acted, but the way I saw actors and art and the relationship and how important it is to be a creative artist as an actor. You're not just yeah. a passive creator, you have a responsibility to He's an ultimate sort of um, artist in a way, is he? Oh, David! Yeah, David yeah. is all about art. Um, mm. David, I, I, he wants to create artists. He doesn't want to create actors. I mean, he gives you a great method and a great technique to create to be able to connect to what you need to connect to create a character. Mm. But he also insists upon the responsibility and the importance of creating art. Okay. Of not just you're not just somebody that's out there to give some lines. You're out there to to create something, to to make mark your influence upon the world. Um, I was nearly doing his course, like I had told him I was doing it, and then I rang him up to say, I'm not doing it. <laughs> he wasn't, well, uh, sure he was he kind of cool enough, happy. but it was still, at the time, a good few people had cancelled, and then I rang him up and he said... Was that this year? No, the year before last, I think. The year before last, okay. Because I had heard so much good things that he, about and read so much about him that, and, and then I met him a few times and I did the audition and everything like that. But anyway, I rang him up and he, he said, oh God, I've had a terrible day. Loads of people are going to, I've cancelled. You're not telling me you're going to cancel, are you? <laughs> and I went, oh God, David, I am. But I mean, everybody I've seen in all the commentary is that it's, his course is pretty unique. Yes. Mm. It's, at least it's unlike anything I've found in yeah. Ireland. Um, it's amazing, but it it's tough. It's three months of very hard work. Yeah. Um, but you're in a group. It's rich work, though, is it? It's it's you're in a group of another sixteen people, which are all there to put in the work and to to get as much as they want. And mm. David works as hard as any of us. Yeah. So, um, but you will struggle, and I struggled, and I struggled especially with my rational side and that what you were talking about how. You can let go, but not let go. He calls it acting with abandon, which is just, just go with it. Go, go with whatever your instinct is. And that's sort of the first step. Mm. But once you've managed to achieve that of being completely free and in the moment and letting the character take over, there's always, there's, you still have to have the actor, like the artist's eye behind it. Yeah. And it's not directing it, it's knowing knowing what influence you want to have to the people that are on the other side of the camera or on the stage without controlling it but it's hard it's really hard to so when i met you was that your first acting course that you did in the gaiety yeah. um yeah it was my first sort of full-time thing i'd done like part-time courses before okay but that was yeah that was the beginning um hmm. <laughs> but like, that's that was a 2013. big 2013. yeah so that's uh, so the Obviously, it was flamed the passion for it or whatever. It didn't. It didn't go away. You know, after no. the course, it just. You know, some people do the course and not go anywhere else. With I. It. I actually. I took a decision after that first term that this is what I wanted to do. Okay. Well. Um. And I started saving money. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's allowed me to to sort of take the step to do this full time. I spent three years saving and scrimmaging and like buying stock 
just just doing everything I could to buying stock, buying shares, buying shares from PayPal and things like that because I could get um, them with a discount through the company, Um, and doing everything I could to have savings so I could sever the cord and do this professionally, which is what I'm doing now. So you had a, like you were a product manager with this? Yes, I was a product manager in PayPal. PayPal. Yes, a responsible job yes yes a 60 hours a week job um i managed a team of wonderful engineers based out of india and then another team based out of austin um from dublin um, so you earned a big salary yes oh. yes yes i was making i was making yeah n- nice money yeah. very nice money and so you packed that in you obviously yeah. packed that in which is Good. You obviously weren't listening to your rational side of the brain. No. You learned to start not listening to it. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was an irrational decision. I mean, it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision. It yeah. was, there was still this side of me of going, I'm not going to quit today, yeah. I'm good, but I'm going to do everything I can to quit in three years' time. Because mm. um, I love acting and I love photography, and I couldn't not do it. I took mm. a year off acting in 2015. Because between work and travel and photography and all of that, I just didn't have the days in the week. And I went, oh, look, I'm just going to leave acting to one side. Um, And by the end of that year, I realized I couldn't. I couldn't not act. It was something that I had to do or else I was going to go insane. So what I... It's pretty nice to know that, though. Obviously, whatever you got from the buzz of the classes and the interaction with the people and all of that obviously it ignited something or you, you know you'd been working doing that product manager's job and whatever you'd been doing bits and bobs but to say right well I actually really want to pursue this that's a big yeah jump from a place of not being an actor to take that leap to say I'm going to do this yeah I mean, it it's al- easier when you're 18 you would have thought yeah it had always been something that had kind of been in the back of my mind mm. I wanted to try acting um and I signed up for my first course because it was a Wednesday, I remember, and I just went, no, you just have to try this. Mm. And by coincidence, the next day on a Thursday was like, the, you know, those introductory classes that Gady does, try the first one for free and yeah. then sign up for it. And I tried the first one and I went, sure, let's do it. Okay. Um, and that was about about a year before I met you. Right. Um, so that okay. was 2012, I think. Okay. Um, but it wasn't until I got into serious acting, and because I always thought I'd be a comedic actor. Right. I always thought that I could do comedy. You're funny. I thought I was funny. I you thought I was funny. Thing to say. So you're really funny, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, and ever since then, I, I've done drama after drama after. I don't know if it's like the voice or like the physical presence or whatever, but I haven't done a comedy since. Yeah, um, interesting. It's been, uh, I didn't think I had the capacity to do uh, drama. And I think when that changed was actually during the course, I don't know if you remember, yeah, that first monologue I had, the yeah. one where you, did, you were actually tied to a chair being my dad and I was sort of screaming at you. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. Um, and Claire, our teacher, picked that one out for me because she knew I was going to struggle with it. Um, and there was one day in class. I, so I was your dad, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that wouldn't have worked in a real place. But, but you were there, so I had somewhere to focus, like yeah, the rage. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know if you remember, there was one day in class where I was struggling with the monologue, and Claire had everybody sort of stand in a circle around me, and then they slowly sort of got closer to me and got closer to me as I said my monologue. Yeah. And something happened. Something, it, I wouldn't say it snapped, but 
suddenly it wasn't me anymore. Right. This character, this guy that I'd been building up took over. Okay. And it wasn't, I was saying the lines, but it wasn't me feeling the sensations. It wasn't me controlling the action. It was just, it was him. Okay. Um, and it was the most beautiful and scary thing I'd ever experienced. Mm. Um, I couldn't do the monologue for two weeks after that because every time I started, I'd get all these emotions. And so has that, that happened again? Yes, that happens now. The good thing is that now that I've got the training, I can get myself there reliably. Can you actually make it happen, though? Does it sometimes not? You know, this There's idea of it, something else taking over, the acting taking over, then is... There's, there, there's, there's days, I mean, I, we, I just came off a three-week run of a play called Imagining Liam beautiful play um, but it's very intense um, and there are days in which you've got your own stuff going on or that you're not feeling well or that whatever and you have to like act mm. you have to fake it yeah and you know that I mean you're if you've got enough training behind you've done it hundreds of times before you know you can do it without the audience be, that have never seen it before mm -hmm. really being able to tell mm. But sometimes it doesn't happen. Ideally, it happens every day. Out of three weeks, I think there was like two days where I just wasn't there. Okay. Well, um, but but obviously that moment of uh, when you click into the acting role, that is what lit your fire in a way, was it? That, yes. With that feeling of what the fuck just happened there. But I, I know that was good. Yes. That obviously was something like that that went, you, that, I want that feeling again. That was the moment of me realizing what acting was about. Okay. Um, and how this was something that I had to have in my life. It's the best, it's, it's probably the best feeling I've ever had. Um, yeah, I used to watch all those actor studios and um, some of them used to say yeah. acting is the only time that I can truly be myself because you know the feelings that I feel I might hold them back but in acting I can, I, I can really let them go and I really and it's almost there's there I find peace in a way is that, yes yeah yeah it's a great way of describing it mm. um, I wouldn't say it's my feelings that I'm letting go mm. um, because for me it's all I mean I it's all about the character and the character taking over and um, I watched all the actor studios one as well, and I only and when I started acting did I understand because I always found it strange how actors spoke in the third person about the characters they play. Mm. They never go, well, I do this, and no, no, well, yeah, I'm playing this person, and she is, or he is, and he is, and, and now I understand it because it's it's strange. You invest a huge amount into it though, isn't that where there's a bit of a loss after a play or a oh, piece yes. or anything like yes. that, that feeling of getting out, out all of the investment in that is suddenly gone, it's like a death, well it's not like a death, but it's well, not a million miles away. Yeah, it's, it, there is a little bit of grieving of the character, um, mm -hmm. of going, you, you're saying goodbye, hopefully not forever, but you're saying goodbye to a person that you've spent a lot of time with. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of work that goes in before um, the stage ever goes online, and I spend a lot of time, I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis, level of that I mean I'm not a method actor I don't think I'm psychologically strong enough to be a method actor I think it'd mm. probably destroy my life um, but I do spend a lot of time in character before I start a play I, I explore I explore parts of the character that have no relevance to the play yeah um, but I like to just create a full person mm. so that way I can drop in 
and any thought that comes to my mind, I can answer it as that person, so I can have a train of thought that is not my train of thought. Yeah, okay. Which is... It's, so it's that's like, like this idea of wearing the shoes and getting into... Obviously, wearing the shoes is a physical thing you can do, or wearing the jacket that that character might yeah. wear. But on top of that, it's... Well, one of the, the, the exercises David Scott um, and has us do, and I find very useful, is taking a shower as the character. Okay. So you sort of... Yeah, you, you sort of undress, and then how would this character have a shower? How What would his routine be? How would he dress? How would he That's prepare really himself good. in the mirror? Because it's the intimacy there, yeah. and in the that shower moment. Yeah, yeah and then and if you, you... We all have weird ideas when we're in the shower. That's mm. It's a moment of how you're going completely... Autom- like, everything's so automatic, yeah. your brain is free to roam. Mm. So being able to do that with a character, it really allows you to explore a lot of things that consciously you might not think of. Um, yeah. It's a really interesting exercise. And it's something that's probably not going to be come up in the play, because whatever he's thinking about there, but it puts you in the it frame of mind. To get there, yeah. It allows you to okay. get his reasoning. Um, mm, that's interesting. But, but yeah, acting is... Um, but so obviously you made the move of, uh, I mean, you know, there's all, I, I, was, I was talking to Eve last week, but this whole idea of following your passion and all that, I mean, it's, uh, it's, we, uh, you know, that's, we've heard so much about it, about it so much, you know, it's all over the place, so you need yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you obviously did take that leap from having a well-paid job in a safe sort of environment. You jumped. Yes. With little or no, I mean, you did obviously put planning in place by having the money, but you still made that leap yeah well it was you, you handed in your notice without yeah. no point with point of no return like no well i mean there's it's never a point of no return i mean i still it's not like my 15 years of work experience have disappeared yeah um but but yeah i spent three years training saving up um my photography is always still there i mean i i i I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say what I love more acting or photography they're okay. the two big passions in my life but I, I was making some money through photography selling prints and headshots and um, so but yeah it was a leap um, luckily I have a wonderful um, girlfriend who is as crazy as I am um, and pushed me to do it because so we, we like what was where obviously you didn't want to stay in PayPal for the rest of your life. That wasn't no. your dream since you were young. No, no. PayPal, PayPal was, was incidental. I mean, I trained, um, I studied translation and interpreting. So I was a freelance interpreter mm. for four years um, in Spain, mm-hmm. um, working Spanish, English, French, and Italian. And then the crisis hit 2008. Mm. And as a freelancer, you're always the first to go because they don't need to fire you. They just yeah, stop yeah. hiring you. Just you. Cut you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I found a job as a translator here in Ireland. Um, and I moved over here. Um, and it wasn't a good company. And the company kind of went under. So I ended up in PayPal as a writer. Okay. Um, but I'm also a huge nerd. So once they figured out that I, I spoke languages and I could code and I could like understand the setup because I, st- I also studied computer science. Um, oh, right. So yeah, I ended up as a product manager, which mm. is it's a great role. It's a great job. You have to think. It's got a lot of responsibility. The salary's good. It was it was a good fit. I would have been happy if I hadn't taken this leap. I probably would have been happy. I'd still be happy. 
plot there. Along there. You weren't unhappy. No, I wasn't unhappy at my mm. job. I worked with really great people. It was the hours were a bit crazy because it's an American company, and we all know that that even though work-life balance is is a big thing that <laughs> they talk bullshit, about. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's bullshit. I think they believe it. It's just not feasible. Mm. You can't wake up. It is a little bit of bullshit though. Too well, depending on the organisation. But when I was in with Dell, was I mean, they didn't even try to pretend that there was a work-life balance because I mean, the reality is it's a US company. They only have fourteen days holidays there, so that the it's set from the US, and then you're coming over when they come over here. I think there's our we're e, we easily drop our cultural inclinations, whereas yeah. you know the likes of France will keep their yes their 35 hour week and stick to that yeah and i come from spain in which we work stupid amount of hours as well i mean productivity is not a big thing but we will work more hours than anybody else right just not doing much while we're working um so i've got this strange mixture of having been brought up in an anglo-saxon environment where productivity and working hard is important Mm -hmm. And also being Spanish, which means putting in a lot of hours is important. So yeah. it's kind of the worst of both worlds. Um, but what I meant by not them not being bullshit is that I'm sure that if I stuck to my guns and I said, no, this I need this for my work-life balance, they would have been fine with it. Yeah, they I, did give you time off, though, didn't they, as well? You, you were able to go travel for a couple yes, of and come yes. back. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, um, okay, well, maybe not, they're not all. No, no, they're, they're... I think they take it seriously. It's just you feel you see how hard other people work yeah and you feel like you're not entitled to it i'm sure if you asked for it they'd be fine yeah my experience was that it would hinder if you yes, work less definitely you, hinder your your progression but it obviously didn't for you in the sense that uh you came in as a writer but obviously you must have worked hard to 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 develop from that into a product manager you must have, you must have yes well i I, yeah, I, I became a business analyst and then i was a project manager and from a project manager i went they are very much about internal promotion so you obviously put in the hours then yes yeah, yeah okay. and by the end of it i was working a silly amount of hours mm. mostly because of the fact that my engineers were in india and my manager was in the us mm. so i'd start with like seven in the morning eight in the morning business calls with Calcutta, well, with Chennai. Calls. Yeah. And I'd finish oh, at 10 p.m. Um, Jesus. Sorry. But it was good because they allowed me to work from home because I had nobody in the office to work with. Yeah. So I had like a home office set up, which of course means you work even more hours. Mm. Even if you're in your pajamas, you're still working. <laughs> Feels uh, nicer though, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's great to be able to just wake up half an hour before your call, make a coffee, yeah. and then Roll just get over. on the phone. Yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, I did that for a few years um, and then I discovered acting. Um, I kept on with photography. I've been taking photographs since I was 15. Mm. So uh, my dad gave me his old camera when I was 15, which is well, about 25 years ago. Okay. And, uh, I'm aging myself here. Probably not the smartest thing to do when you're an actor, but yes. Um, <laughs> 28, 27? Yeah. Well, age. Age. Yes. Well. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yes. My father gave me my camera when I was three years old. Yeah. And I. <laughs> I'm not good at maths. Um. um okay. Yeah. Uh, and ever since then, um, I've been stopping. I mean, I came over here with my camera right there. I can't leave the house without my camera. I feel naked mm-hmm. without a camera in my pocket or in my hand or at reach. And I know everybody has a camera now with the mobile phones, but 
it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, though there's great photos to be taken with phones. I've taken some amazing photos. Um, I have to flick us at 30 minutes or a prop. Though not all are so easy. I remember this one. She took a little persuading. Dame la pistola. Um, flick it. Flick it. Flick that shit. Um, <laughs> but obviously, uh, it was obviously the artistic side was there, and then to leap from the job, it doesn't sound like it was a leap out of I simply cannot do that job anymore. No, it was a leap out of uh, I'm happy enough, but I would love this. I'd love this to. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to devote more time to this. Yeah, to, to the area of photography. And acting, but do you get paid anything for acting? Mm, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not so far. Um, I've been doing. I mean, I get paid if you can call it what we were talking about before with, for my audiobooks. Yeah, um, I, that's that's okay money. Um, and most of the stuff I do is profit share, which means you're not making money. Okay. Um, there's still the chance to make money. Yes, yeah, there, okay. if, if you are in something that is a runaway hit. Mm. There's a chance of making money. It hasn't happened so far. Yeah, I haven't lost that, money yet. How is it like for plays? I mean, I just can't do young people go do twenty year olds and you know, well, what is the do they go? I mean, I've never really gone to that many plays in my life. It depends. I mean, for the bigger theaters, no. I mean, for things like the Gate and ah, they have their set audience, mm. which is up fifty and above. Um, so there's a very specific type of theatre that normally happens there. Yeah. I think that's changing now, uh, especially with Selena coming on as uh, artistic director in The Gate. She's doing a lot of very interesting things. I don't know if you went to see Gatsby. No. They did a production of The Great Gatsby. Mm. But what they did is they covered up all the seating area. So it was audience parts, like they encouraged audience to come in 1920s gear, uh, dress oh, and dancing shoes. Okay, that's uh, so cool. the actors were there and first great actors. I mean, you had Owen Rowe and you had Kate Gilmore and all these amazing actors, mm. but it was audience participation. So they had open part of backstage and part of the, the, like the bar was part of the show as well. So you could order drinks while you're watching the show. And mm. it, it's a, it was a very it, interactive. That's very interesting. It's approach. An, that's a modern approach. It's yeah. a new approach. And, and it's great because when I saw like the lineup of plays that Selena had picked for her for, for her first season, I saw the first one was Gatsby. And I went, I was hoping some, for something because she, she's amazing. Uh, and I was hoping for something know, yeah. brave. And I saw Gatsby and I went, oh, but then I heard how she was going to do it. And I went, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think things are changing there at the gate. At the Abbey, the Abbey things are mixed up. Um, Abbey is a great, it's got a thing called the Cameo Club, which you can sign up for, which is basically you pay 10 euro a year and then you can get, you show up half an hour before the show and you can get any seat in the house that's free for 10 euro. Okay. Um, so that's bringing in younger people. But mm. uh, for the productions I do, which are normally... They're not the gate, they're not the abbey, they're tiny theatres lost somewhere in the middle of Dublin. There's not a lot of them. Mm. Um, the audience the audience tends to be younger people, but mostly because the audience tends to be people you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Um, you do get some people that walk in, um, but I don't know. I mean, I've had, for the last show we had, we had from like people 
like I knew which were in their early 20s to some like 40s, 50s. Um, it's a mixed bag. It's just yeah. really hard to get people to come in. Well, it is. It's an, it's, theater is an old, it's an old art, I suppose, in a way. Um, I mean, I often wondered whether you could do a live broadcast, but then how do you get money in? But even just to get introduce people to the idea of that live feeling, because I think if anybody goes to a play, and I've only done it, but it's it's one of those things you feel the better of having experienced a live play. You actually physically feel mm. somewhat different from it. It's just it is it's just not something that I do probably, you know, in the evening time it was a Tuesday, Wednesday evening, I just wouldn't do it. But um that's just me, I suppose. But it's Yeah, it's also a lot harder. I mean, I understand what you're saying because I, I don't go to as much theatre as I should. Yeah. But it's also the fact because theatre is harder to go to as well because it's a set time, it's a set show. It's not like cinema that's got the same film as on eight times a day yeah. in 20 different places. So chances are you're going to go to see that film mm. a lot greater. For theatre, you have to go to one specific place at one specific time. Um, the seats aren't as comfortable. The <laughs> yeah, well, you you see, you're so used quiet. to being, you're so used to being stimulated, though. I think I mean, especially with fucking phones and fucking yeah. d- d- cinema. That uh, you know, cinema has even changed that hardly they allowed apart from boxes. They don't la- allow character development. It's little snapshots. And with theatre, to me, it's it is it's slower. Yeah, you, you have to give it that little bit of time, and it is we are the well, yeah, instantaneous there, generation. There's no explosions as well. There's no explosions. <laughs> no, you can't yeah. do CGI. In <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> terrible. Because you know the way you'd like to kind of go more, but I, I mean, I suppose I totally. I think the art of the actor, like I was, I think the art of the of a comedian to stand up on stage is really difficult, and I think the, you know, the idea that. An actor lives this unbelievably glamorous life. You do lose a piece. Or you, not, you, you give emotionally a huge amount of yourself. Yes, but in you, acting, you, you also you also get back. Especially that's what I love about having an audience, because mm. you get back when the audience is good. You get so much back from them. Yeah. Um, there's nothing better than just sort of laying your soul out naked in front of them. And then sort of like hearing a sniffle, you know, <laughs> or just meeting them afterwards and talking about what they saw and how interesting it is what you put out there and how they receive it. Mm. Um, that's why I love, uh, there's a few shows I've been to where there's um, like a Q&A afterwards, because they do that with film, which I find interesting, but I think it's a lot more interesting in theatre because you get to speak about that specific performance yeah i suppose it's more real more yeah yeah more live yeah live natural reaction it's, it's not, you're not referring to something that's like that's pre-recorded and edited and yeah you've and just fucking yeah. given yourself yeah. yeah and what's left is the person that's come out afterwards so you can talk or yeah yeah, yeah. from that place I suppose. though though there is there are recently there was a story um david mamet is very much against this kind of thing, David Mamet. They, I don't know what play they were putting. I think it was, I was it Glenn Gary and Ross or one of those, and they wanted to do a Q and A afterwards. Yeah. Um, and he sent an email through uh, through his lawyer saying that it was not allowed. Um, See, I don't think he gets it because if you think about like all the box sets and all like the Game of Thrones. I did this Game of Thrones thing when I was chatting with Hill about Game of Thrones, but you know, we were one of ten thousand 
things analyzing I yes. think people like the aftermath analysis of it they want to be able to chat about it what they liked about it ask questions about it that keeps it going it's like why is there a book club yes you know that's I suppose it doesn't make sense to me now yeah I think David Mamet took it he's okay with people discussing it the day after he had a problem with it being happening just afterwards mm. he wanted people to analyze it and in, in, like not dissect the emotions immediately afterwards that's his opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's probably gone, disagree. Then. Yeah, it's, you're, it's hot <laughs> off the press. It's either, you know, it's like you, you, there is that downer after seeing something like that. You, and you do want to be able to keep it going a little bit to be able to chat about it, yeah. I think, you know. Um, and do you get, speaking of downers, do you get, you know, this from the performance peak of yeah, an hour play, an hour and a half play, and then the buzz of meeting people afterwards, and then it's over? Well, if, if once the play is over, I mean, over as in you're not doing it again the next day or you know it's the end of the run, yeah. it's tough. Like, the after show blues are tough. Um, I mean, I get that downer sometimes even when I'm... I don't know what you're... I mean, there's different kinds. There's the downer of the play's over, you're not doing it again. That's, that's the loss of the character almost, that's, yeah. Yeah, it, it's depressing. The adrenaline, though, of... But yeah, there's there are sometimes, especially at the beginning when you're when the first times, the first few times you do a scene, mm. um, and it's a very emotional scene. I personally sometimes it takes me some time to recover okay. um, because it's a lot of very raw emotion. Um, and I'm not saying the emotion is less raw once you've done it eighty times, but you're used to cut like pulling yourself up yeah. from that. Um, and actually doing acting, uh, actually doing the process of getting up on stage and, you know, uh, the doing of it. What, how do you get over things like uh, the fear and self-doubt and all of those things? Uh, does that happen? Uh, I, don't, I don't get fear do or self-doubt or... I mean, I get a lot of that in auditions. <laughs> yeah. But once you have the part, and once if you've done your homework and you've done it, it's not me on stage anymore. So it's really easy. Okay. Um, we had, for example, going so back. So you don't get the fear, like you don't get that. I used to get the fear going to fucking class, like to the class. I used to get the fear. Yeah. So, but but that wasn't even you know performing. That but, was in a safe sort of. Uh, but I I can get that. I mean, I get that sometimes when I'm going to rehearsals. Mm. But not once I get on stage, because okay. once I'm on stage, it's not me. Yeah, okay. Once I'm when I'm going to the rehearsals, I get the fear, but my character doesn't, because mm. my character is not up in front of an audience. Yeah. My character's in well, in this play we're doing, he's in a prison cell, so he gets he has fear okay. of being raped. No, he has a fear of being beaten up by other people, but he doesn't have a fear of an audience because the audience is not there. Yeah, okay. So there's no Manuel wondering about fucking how he's going to be perceived here. You're actually in the role. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it doesn't matter. Me. Yeah. And okay. it's a lot easier to not be afraid when it's not you. That's the beauty of once you, you're able to get into the character because it's not you. The character is afraid of a lot of other things. And if you are in the character and the character's thinking about all these other things, you don't have time to worry about this audience because your brain is completely taken over by the character's thoughts. Yeah, well, you see, so obviously that's, there's that gift of, you know, uh, of not you not being there anymore to you taking on this role with this actor's thoughts, that, that jump. 
is that come from training or is that just in there naturally or how the fuck I don't know movement I, te- I told you the first time it happened yeah. um, now it comes from training now it comes from I mean you need to have you do there's the some prep. people okay. that, that have it instinctually that are able to have this powerful imagination that can just overtake everything that they're doing and just be like a child you know mm. when a child is playing and he's imagining with his cars and it's he's not thinking about himself he is yeah. completely the car or the whatever um the problem is that that's really hard to go back to because we've spent a lot of years of our lives trying to not be children you know yeah well, i'm fascinated <laughs> by that though because it is that like in daily lives it is that loss of play is that when i did the course the big thing I got out the first course I did, which gave me a taste of it, was this guy, pretty well known in the circles, but I can't fucking David Horn, mm-hmm. and he introduced the idea of play in the whole acting thing, and then that's what gave me a taste of it was the play, the yes. fun element, which I kind of I couldn't remember from when I was. It is that feeling of immersing yourself in it without you're not worried what people are thinking, you're not worried no. about you're playing with. It's just a game. It's fun. Yes, and even when it's it's tragic and you're crying and snotting and horrible, it's still a game. Yeah, it's still it's still enjoyable. Then it's maybe in a little bit of a masochistic kind of way, but it is it it is free and liberating and being able to just there's not you can't do anything wrong on stage if you're following the character's instincts. Yeah, because the character can do no wrong because mm. whatever the character does is what the character would do you know it's 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 hard to explain it's but not, it's, well, it's it is kind of it's philosophical almost as well that sort of that sort of perspective it's a kind of a, it's a nice it's you know it's it's like this idea of be like a child or whatever that that from that innocent sort of place things just happen there is no uh, manuel in there trying to negotiate the world there's just the appear the happening of everything yeah kind of it, it takes bravery and it takes confidence and it takes it takes trust in yourself and understanding that there's just um yeah you can't do anything wrong but um, you what i'm curious about is we're going into the real art of it maybe as well but you're say you've done all this prep and you you know you've practiced being in a role and you've done blah 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 but yet when it comes to it, that last little step of, right, I'm going to leave Manuel behind and I'm going to step into this, you know, I mean, this is a bit too philosophical, really, but it's who is doing that at that point? I mean, obviously, there's, a, there's obviously the training and everything kicks in and it, it's, it just happens. There's the trust that it will happen. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. Well, I mean, I have, there's a little process to get there just before you go on stage. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I find really hard, for example, about film acting mm-hmm. and why I prefer theatre actors. In theatre, you do all this work and this preparation and you go on stage as this other person mm-hmm. and you get to live as this other person for an hour, an hour and a half. If you're a secondary character, maybe like small bursts, yeah. but it's all in the moment. When you're on film, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now we're, today's the first day of shooting, but we're going to be shooting like 50 minutes into the film. Mm. So you have to imagine where you are 50 minutes in, what's happened before, what's happened afterwards, and then do this five second bit. And then maybe five days later, you have to do the bit just before that. So you mm. have to remember where you were there. So yeah. I think for film acting, it, it's a lot harder to drop in, drop out. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that method 
does really well because method is they stay in it on set yeah and all that method is all about creating a character well it's not all about that but one of the things a lot of method actors do is create a character and stay in the character for the whole duration so there's a whole of the box film. set on um, Netflix of Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman it's coming out yeah. he, he was in that but he basically for the whole movie he went into the role as Andy Kaufman and so the the documentary I don't know if you've seen it is about what happened backstage and that it, uh, when the cameras were turned off he's still Andy Kaufman yeah and that it was there's obviously a film in him at the, but that bit of lunacy that's happening all the time that he is this madman all the time yeah it's uh, the guy I, I don't remember the I mean, the actor but you've seen the Lord of the Rings I have yeah you remember the character Wormtongue the guy that has no eyebrows is a creepy counsellor to um, King Denethor uh, King Theodred or whatever he's Basically, he's an actor. He's an American actor, mm -hmm. Texan, strong Southern accent, but he's a method actor. So okay. he he got on set and he was in character and he had this beautiful British accent for the year and a half of filming that film. And the day they finished, like they wrapped and they filmed the last scene, he took a deep breath and started and dropped the character. And everybody couldn't believe it was him because he suddenly, of course, dropped into his southern Texan accent. And he kept mm. up the British accent for a year and a half. Nobody on set had ever heard him speak Fucking in hell. his actual accent. Um, but do you think then, um, it's interesting because you were mentioning that you had the few languages and you have a few languages. Is that right? Yes. Do you think there is something, do you think in that it might help you in switch? Because when you uh, think in a different language, you do... You are slightly different. Oh, I completely change. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize I did until somewhat recently, but when I speak Spanish, I have a deeper voice okay. than, than when I speak English. It's deep enough anyway. Yeah, but, but it goes a lot deeper. Mm. Um, and my, <clears throat> I, I use my hands a lot more. Mm. When I speak Italian, my hands go crazy because in Italian, um, like nonverbal communication is so important okay so there's there's gestures that have meaning and the same phrase with a different hand gesture yeah. will mean a completely different thing um so yeah everything it helped yeah i think it probably did help then that fluidity of movement from one language to another means the idea of maybe moving from this character on stage to manuel it might be yeah. so alien maybe not connected I, to I, I mean i think what helped more was was my my upbringing as the son of a diplomat um, the fact that you have to be a bit of a chameleon, that you're never... I mean, I changed country every two, three years when I was growing up. Yeah. So I didn't have the luxury of being myself, you know? So when you were saying a chameleon, do you mean like when you're meeting diplomatic people, you have to be... Not even no. diplomatic people. When you get to a new school, okay. you get to a new school and you have to make friends quickly because yeah. you don't have the luxury of let's take two years for people to get to know me because okay. by two years' time, I'm gone. So you will adapt and become whoever that social group needs you to be yeah. in order to be not one of the popular, I was never the popular kid, but at least find to a group liked. that's close enough. Yeah, yeah so you could be like nicely. Um, okay. So I spent all my life doing and that caused me all sorts of psychological problems, which were expensive enough to fix. Okay. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that now? And you can, uh, if you don't want to go into it now, but what do you mean by that? Like, uh, um, so obviously you're trying with who is the real Pam Manuel? Is it like sort of thing? Yeah, you've had to negotiate your personality. And I had, loads of yeah, I had situations. no no idea who I was. Um, mm. 
not just the just because I mean the lack of roots, not knowing where you you don't have a home, you don't have a country. Well, you have a country, yeah, but you don't have a place to call home. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was I was a bit of a mess. I was a bit of a mess because everything you can't live your life com- on completely re- relativistic terms. Yeah. There has to be a moment in which you create a core identity mm. and then build off of that. And I never had that experience. Yeah. My core identity changed every time. And you then it started, a core identity did start to form, but I wouldn't give it any importance. So I would act against what I felt was right just to fit in. Okay. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it messed me in the head. Um, but that's not, I mean, whilst it obviously is, it's, it's not uncommon. That is it's the way not of uncommon. the world, I think. It's not know? uncommon. It's just, um, I would go that way and then you'd switch from a small village in the north of Spain to an Italian school in the middle of Nigeria. And of course, you would have to change immediately to mm. become, and even while I was there, there were different social groups and I would be a different person in each one of the social groups. Yeah. Um, just to, I, I wasn't obsessed with fitting in, but I knew how hard it was to not fit in. So I did everything I could to fit in. Um, mm. But then that idea then really in, uh, to lesser, I can do what you did now. Um, uh, I didn't turn off my phone. Well, you're a popular man. Even if I turned off my phone, I don't think anybody would have called me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know that wonderful feeling when you leave your phone in your room for the whole weekend and you have one missed call and it's your mother? <laughs> <laughs> and that you've missed your mother's call? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I like to leave my phone <laughs> far away and I don't, though. I actually w- would prefer to leave it further away. But um, with this idea, say, take that idea there now and say, you, you're, you know, you have, uh, that's to lesser and, you know, you're, there's the you with your partner, there's the work you, there's the you with your friends, there's the you with the people that you meet for the first time. There is multiplicity of characters. It's just been... There is. It's been, but it's... The, I was even chatting to Eve about this, but it's the degrees to which, how far they go yes. from who you are. Mine, mine went completely, like, left, right. With certain groups, I was completely racist, while with other oh, groups, really? I was very much of a left-leaning, liberal kind of yeah I did whatever I needed to do to fit in and I didn't see a problem with that until worlds started to collide um, and not like social groups but inside my own head yeah Um, and then yeah living in in Africa for four years messes with your head anyway Um, especially Mm. Nigeria in the mid 90s a lot of death a lot of I had five coup d'etats over the time we were there. So what was your dad? What was his role? Um, he's a diplomat. He was uh, the Spanish ambassador there. Okay. I, I obviously, I, I, geez, there's so, you know, we could do three hours probably. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I will be talking through all of them. So <laughs> let me get a drink of water. Um, I, might, I might ask you, I'm curious, because I saw you put one comment up somewhere about Spain. And I don't know many uh, Spanish people, and um, I was curious to are know. Are we going to talk about Catalonia? Yeah, just to, to know, um, and I'm only, I have this thing where I'd say an hour. I don't like the idea of just an hour, but we'll, so we'll see how we go, right? Um, you are going to kill me. No. I'm not going to kill you might go back 
Um, go for it. Let's make it a multi. Yeah, let's just fucking go for it. Um, I, I should have brought a T-shirt so we could pretend another pretend it was another day. <laughs> yeah, could you? Well, That's a welcome great idea. back. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was curious. So I'm even more curious now that you say your dad is a diplomat. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I just want to check one thing because that microphone of yours is up higher. But I think um, it, within the am peaking, I, am I peaking? Are you peaking? I think it should be fine. I have that as well. Anyway, I'll, do you I'll want me to up. put it further away? Well, it's a bit late now, but you maybe put it down anyway, just in let's case. Let's I don't think it'll. It's probably not a good idea to move it. Nestle it amongst my breasts. Um, <laughs> <way. Um, laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm even more curious now about uh, you you and your dad being a diplomat and all that. So I'm not interested in your dad's view at the moment. I'm interested in your view. Yes, my my, my dad's view um, is pretty black and white about that being um, of an older generation of Spanish people. Yeah. My view on Catalonia, oh, it's hard because, I mean, I haven't lived in Spain for nine years, mm. so I am somewhat detached from it. Um, my initial opinion, so my opinion has changed since before the 1st of October. Mm. Um, my initial opinion, and I'm still kind of leaning towards that, is that they should be able to vote. Mm -hmm. They should be able to, mostly because I'm pre, I'm almost 100% convinced that if they do it properly and they have a proper referendum, they will not leave because mm -hmm. I have a feeling that there is, if, I mean, yeah, that there are more people that would like to stay than would like to leave. Um, I think the question all resolves around the fact of how to make that vote happen. Because according to the Spanish Constitution, the vote could happen, but all of Spain would have to vote. Yeah. And, of course, the Catalans would never, won't accept that because there's no way Spain is going to vote. Yeah, it is actually go. in the Constitution that you can't really separate, no part, you know, Spain is yeah, the, the right can't to separate. self-determination is not included in the Spanish Constitution. Mm. Um, the Spanish Constitution was also created at a very specific time. And not very well done um, because we were just coming out of 40 years of military dictatorship yeah. and there was a big fear of we need to approve this constitution because it was really hard to create and it was yeah. really hard to get everybody to agree on a text that was somewhat acceptable and there was a huge fear, especially after the transition. That, that was in 1978, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. 1978. Um, so Franco died in 1975. And there was three years of transition until we had this constitution that we could vote on. Yeah. Um, and by we, I mean they, because I didn't vote on it. Yeah. Um, but there was a big fear, and rightly so, that if this didn't go through, if this text, with all its flaws and with everything, didn't go through, then we would slip back. Yeah. Because the military still had a lot of power. And is that the fear that's going on at the moment that really, it, 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 the big thing that's is all the violence against the average uh, people who were trying to go out and vote. Now, I know you, it was a legal vote or whatever, but it, it, um, yeah. there was the suppression of all that, that, you know, you look on the outside. I'm not necessarily, I tell you in a second whether I agree or I don't agree, because I actually think the whole lot of it is about fucking money. Yes. And that bothers me. But um, I, uh, getting back to what is your view now? You're, so you're from what part of Spain? I'm from Madrid. Madrid, so. okay. Um, I'm smack dab in the middle of what would traditionally be a 
pro-Spanish, pro-Spanish Union um, area of the country. Okay, so this it's kind of like living in Dublin and the People's Republic of Cork wanting to be yeah. independent. Yeah, except it's not. Like yeah, because there's great With history all the differences. There. I know there's the four hundred years ago, or whatever it was. They, I know Catalan was an independent nation, and they ha- they talk about the language well, and all that, but it's still. Well, I mean, they were never technically an independent nation. I they mean, were. They, they were part of the Kingdom of Aragon. But is it not back um, way before, like you're talking back in the 1400s? That That's the, the, when there was the Kingdom of Aragon. Okay. Spain, but they joined with Iberia. Is this or, no, no, Spain was created when there was a marriage between yeah, that, the Queen the couple, of Castile yeah. and the King of Aragon. Couple. Yeah, okay. Um, and Aragon was not just Catalonia. Aragon was Aragon, which is another region next to Catalonia, okay. and the Balearic Islands and Valencia, sort of all the east coast of Spain, right. plus uh, the south of Italy. Okay. Um, so it wasn't just Catalonia. I mean, ca- when the Catalans speak of Catalonian independence, they probably refer more to the 12th century when the the count of Catalonia but, had a semi. And what do you feel about it though? Like, what is your? Uh, um, so I know it's not black and white, but like when you you were away at the time, I think or you were traveling at the time, or what? What was? What's your? So, first of all, do you want to, do you want it to be? If you were voting, how would you vote? So, I mean, if I was voting, I'd, pro- I'd probably vote stay. I mean, I would vote for them to stay as part of uh, the country. Yeah. Um, I understand why they're annoyed. I understand why they have this feeling um, with, with the right-wing party that we have and everything they've done to sort of try and stimmy self-rule by the Catalans. The Catalans, they, they approved the new... It's hard to explain, but every region in Spain has um, a kind of a charter of self-rule yeah. that they approve in their own parliament. Yeah, okay, like and local councils. Or yeah, yeah, with a lot more. more with yeah, a lot yeah. more. I mean, Fine. Spain is basically a federal state, but nobody wants to call it a federal state because federal sounds communist, and right. we don't want to be left-wing. Yeah. Um, but the Catalans and most of the Spanish regions have control of their own healthcare, their own education, their own like most of it is self-rule. The problem is they wanted to go further with that and they approved the charter that gave them more rights to self-government. Yeah. And the Spanish right-wing party, or Partido Popular, uh, challenged that in the Constitutional Court back in 2010 and the Constitutional Court threw away that tartar, charter. Okay. So that, of course, I can understand but what do you think, uh, uh, mind the I, politics, I, what, what do you think... I like, tend of, to go into historical... No, it's fine, but here. I suppose, um, the, and it is important, I mean, there is, there is legitimacy somewhat behind the claims. I mean, there's a couple of things that bother me. One is the violence that has happened and, the, you know, them beating the shit out of people. And what's w- more worrying is how the, it has been managed and the, uh, yeah. in the sense of... There's the, the local Spanish paper put out this article to say that all those clips of people being beaten up with fake news. And then you have three big papers um, like The Guardian, Washington Post, going and saying the same thing that there's fake news, that the people weren't bet up. Well, so there's that kind of management of the media that I'd be saying, especially coming from a sort of a dictatorship all those years ago, that that management, now all management happens. Yeah, news, I mean, I the, 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 question, the question is the news about these people being beaten up was that also management yeah because nothing the, the problem with There's so many though the well i i mean i've been i haven't seen a lot of, i have seen videos of people 
being pulled. It's it's kind of relative because Spanish police are so brutal. Yeah. And I have been beaten up by Spanish police, and I have seen Spanish police beat up protesters. Hmm. And then I look at the videos in Catalonia, and I go, they were kind of restraining themselves cause, just because of how brutal they could be. I agree that it was it was very badly managed. Our central government is horrible. Um, I always say that if my president was Rajoy, I'd probably want to be independent too, because mm. they're just they're just the worst. Um, they're a right wing, reactionary, Catholic controlled. Not just Catholic controlled. We have ministers which are members of the Opus Dei, oh, which is fucking hell, right? It's at that level. Yeah. So with that kind of a government, yeah, you're not. I can understand people wanting to be independent, mm. but. Um, and you also have to focus on the fact, you have to remember the fact that the police was not sent there by the government, but by the courts. Okay. It was not the government that ordered the police to go in there. There was a decision by the Catalan Supreme Court that this... Was illegal. It was illegal, so the police had to go in and stop it. I think so it's even very though hard the government though. supported that decision, it was a judicial decision. So but obviously you see the cops... Uh, fighting with you have the firemen standing up for the cops obviously I'm just looking at now I'm not necessarily uh, in favour of it because I think the reality is it seems to come down forget the culture has not been eaten away you know the language is the language it's not it, this comes down to money it comes down to money it comes down to hiding but if corruption they, if, if they didn't have loads of money the, would they want to be an independent nation come I, on I, I don't think it even comes down to who's making the money uh, Spain has been racked by cases of corruption and blatant corruption for the last two three years yeah both in the central government and in the Catalan political parties yeah. and strangely enough when all of these things are in court and there's a huge scandal building suddenly we focus on independence hmm. suddenly the news is not the fact that we've got like hundreds of like billions of euros being transferred from the state into these political parties okay. and their cronies the news is not about that it's not about our president for the first time in history having to appear as a witness in one of these corruption scandals. The news is not the fact that the guy that governed Catalonia for 25 years has been bezzled 3 billion euro. Nobody's talking about oh, that. They're all fucking disgusting. Really, no, and now they? people are talking about independence. I think a big part of it, I'm not disclaiming the fact that there is a sentiment of independence in big parts of Spain. I'm just questioning the fact that are the politicians using this as an external enemy to hide everything yeah okay it's a lot easier said to know about that now mm. it's nationalism is is a dangerous path but it's a really easy one to go down mm. um so why why now well it's driven from Cata the catalan election like i mean you know the independence election the whole thing is kicked off as like what they're at the moment catalan is saying well we are, um, uh, we're an independent nation. But I mean, there's no, forgetting everything, forgetting the politics, forget the corruption at the moment, there is no central, there's no government that is going to suddenly allow 20% of its GDP no. to, you know, and if they're 20, 25% or 24% of exports, there's no way they're going to let them go. Yeah. There's, and they cannot be seen to let it go, whether they're a right wing or left wing, they're just not going to do that. Who would? Yeah. Mm. 
It's def- but all of that that perspective though is interesting because it's just not as black and white as no the, no all this shit going on. It's never black and white. Mm. Um, and again, I I mean I'd be in the position of just let them vote, let them vote, and if they want to, I know this is probably I'm just watching that battery. Um, yeah, if they want to commit political suicide, let them do it. I think we and could keep talking, but I, I uh, <laughs> say that again, say that again. Yes, yeah, so if they want to commit political suicide, an economic suicide. Just let them vote and do it. Yeah, let them vote. Yeah. Do you think they? I think they they would be fine though. Why do you think that? They, you well, because as soon as they became independent, they would no longer be part of the European Union. Well, I think they'd apply really quickly, though, wouldn't they? Yes, and both France and Spain would veto. Okay. Well, Spain and what? You only need one big major country to veto. We only need one country to veto, major or otherwise. Well, and the other thing is the fucking football team. So did they expect to be in uh, independent? But uh, can we please keep the Barcelona team in the league? You know, I mean that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's where it, that's where I think it kind of goes. <laughs> can we be independent? But let's keep the football, and then I think all the people are going to go especially because they're so passionate about football in that area, they're going to go, oh, okay, let's stay part of Spain. Because yeah. what's the point in winning the league like, if they can't beat Madrid? I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. That's where I suppose... <laughs> I know that's really simplistic, but, I mean, really, what would happen then? In that it's, The football is everything over there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot more complicated. It's like, Bre- I know it's it's like Brexit, you know? Everybody thought, oh, yeah, let's be independent and control their immigration. And now suddenly they're realising... We're not going to be able to cure people of cancer because we can't get atomic like These isolation the nuclear isotopes anymore. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's an easy nationalism. Nationalism is a really easy choice until you start thinking about it, and then you go, ah, oh, maybe it wasn't that good. Hmm. It's going to go. We might leave it in that, will we? Okay. You see, it's going to flash, and I think leave it that we know that we could keep going here. There's something nice about that. So that way, I'm going to get you back because you'd say, "Oh, I wanted to talk about this." Hey, there's nothing I like more than talking. <laughs> Hi, if you like the conversation that I just had, and you'd like more, please hit the subscribe button. Thank you, Frank. Come on, man.